0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to have all of you today, all of you joining us online. Thank you for being with us today. I'm going to uh, start a... This is it wasn't actually intended to be a series, but it, it is going to take me two Sundays to get through this. Um, I'm actually prepping to start a, a new series on um, the heavenly hosts, angels and their activity. And... Uh, before I get into that, I want to share with you this message, and it's on spiritual warfare. Everybody say, "We're in a battle." And I want to take my time on it, so I'm going to take two Sundays to go through this. And as I do, the title of this is simply going to be "Spiritual Warfare." And uh, subtitle, if I could put it, would be "The Battle of the Church." How many of you know that the church is in a battle? But it's not a battle against people. It's a battle against the enemy. And uh, there are going to be four parts to this that I think will help us remember this. And uh, the way I'm going to kind of dissect this is going to be uh, in four parts. One is going to be education. The next part will be preparation. Then we're going to follow with activation, And then we're going to go into full-time participation. So today, I'm going to deal with education and preparation. How many of you know you need to know your enemy to know how to battle him? And you need to know that you cannot do this on your own. And that's why I want to follow spiritual warfare teaching on angels Because I want you to understand that angels are more powerful than men. That's why the devil can overpower humans. However, there is one whom we serve who created those angels, and he is over them. And Jesus said that nothing in heaven or on earth would be able to stand in our way when we're walking in his power. And Sherry talked about anointing, and we need that anointing today. So as I get into this series today, this this message today, I just want you to say this prayer with me out loud. It's It's really just a declaration. Just say this, Heavenly Father, speak to my heart. And change my life in Jesus' name. Now, those of you are, that are here in the service today, I've given you an outline to follow along with. Uh, those of you who are online, this is going to be scripture intensive. There's going to be a lot of scriptures, so you might not be able to get to all of them as I do. However, if you will grab your Bible uh, by your side, uh, I think that will help you get there a little bit quicker than on your phone. Uh, now, those of you that are here... You're, you're going to get them on the screen, so you're going to get to see. We're working on technology. Our technology to be able to get this screen also on, on the online message. However, that's not what we have right now. I'd like for everybody to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and we're going to start there in verses 10 through 13. While you turn there, I'm going to tell you a true story. There was a Christian leader who was traveling by plane, and he noticed that the man sitting two seats over, was thumbing through some little cards and moving his lips. And so the man looked to be in his 50s and somewhat a professional uh, man with a goatee and kind of graying brown hair. And this pastor was guessing that he was a fellow believer, so this pastor leaned over to him and he engaged him in conversation and he said, looks to me like you're memorizing something. And the man said, no, actually, I was praying. And so he said, well, you know, I believe in prayer too. And this man said, well, I have a specific assignment. And the pastor said, well, what's that? He said, I am praying for the downfall of Christian pastors. Well, surprised, this pastor said, I would certainly fit into that category. Is my name on your list? And the man said, not on my list. Stories like that can make us uneasy, but they also remind us that we are firmly entrenched in the midst of a spiritual conflict. While the outcome has already been determined by Christ's victory over sin and death, amen, 1 Corinthians 15, the battle rages on. The enemy, the devil, seeks to rob God of glory by leading men and women onto a pathway of rebellion, so it becomes important for Christians to take time to review our understanding, are you with me, on this ongoing spiritual battle that we are in lest we become casualties in this great battle. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a background here before we get into Ephesians 6. Through the church at Ephesus, they were undergoing only minimal persecution from without or outside the church at that time the letter this letter was written to them but they were experiencing great conflict from within. Some influential, the Bible says, yet ignorant men were teaching false doctrine. They were propagating fables. They were talking about genealogies and and putting forth these ideas, such as the forbidding of marriage and abstaining from certain foods. They were kind of creating their own religion, and Paul understood that they were a very real danger to the believers in that city. So he sends a letter to the pastor, who is Timothy, and he says, Guard what is entrusted to your care. You'll find that in the book of First Timothy chapter 6. Yet he never considered that the battle was to be fought against the people. The Bible says that the real conflict was a spiritual conflict. In church, it's the same way today. Our battle is not against people. You say, well, it sure seems like it. I know, I know, because that's what the devil wants us to be focused on. But the real conflict within the Ephesian church and within our lives today is of a spiritual nature, so it has to be approached with this perspective in mind. And listen to what he says about the nature of spiritual warfare. Now, on your outline, you're going to see our adversary in warfare. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of the Lord of His might. Next verse. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Everybody say, it's not against people. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual, he just says it, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Right now, church, I'm giving you the education. Now, make no mistake, our enemy is the devil, and he is real. He is not a figment of your imagination. He is not a fairy tale. He is real. the, the, The account in the biblical book of Genesis is not a story. It is a historical fact. And so... We're told here that the devil is our enemy, and he is constantly scheming to ruin mankind. And in your outline, I've given you letter A, Satan schemes for unbelievers. He has schemes for the lost, and he has schemes for the found. He has schemes for the unbeliever, and he has schemes for the believer. Now, understand this. Even once you come to know the Lord as your Savior... It does not mean that you will not battle. I've told you this a hundred times if I've told it to you once. Once you get saved, you do not board the love boat. You board the battleship. Now, I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians, we're going to go through these uh, fairly quickly. I want you to see here's some of the schemes for unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4.4, he blinds the minds of unbelievers. Why does the world not see what you're saying? Well, because the devil's blind in their eyes. Here's what it says. In whose case, the God of this world, everybody say Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Well, why would he do that? So that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He does not want them to see who God is. The second thing he does is he snatches away the word of God. Look at this in Matthew 13:19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, well, then the evil one comes, everybody say, there's the devil again, and he snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Jesus has told a parable, and now he's explaining it. The third thing the devil does to unbelievers is he sets traps for the unwary so that they oppose the Lord's servants. Look at Second Timothy chapter 2. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. And he goes on and he says, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. And then he finishes and he says, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. Look at that. Escape from the snare. Here's that dude again. There's the devil in the details. So they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, notice this, having been held captive by him to do his will. You see, the evil we're seeing in the world and the people doing the evil in the world, that's them right there. And the devil is trapping them unawares so that they will oppose the truth. And the fourth thing he does to these unbelievers is he masquerades as an angel of light. You say, can the devil do that? Oh yeah, look at this, Second Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 13 through 15. The Bible says, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. But go back to that verse there in verse 12. What does it say? The devil can come. Or in verse 14, the devil can come like an angel of light. What does that mean, pastor? It means what's false can appear true. What's true, he will make appear false. You say, well, how can he do that? You just got to go back to the book of Genesis. It's what he did in the garden. God had told him one thing, and he came and said, is that really right? You know, what, what, what's really the deal? Let me, let me let you in on the real deal. God knows that once you eat of that fruit, you're going to be just like him. You're going to know right from wrong. Now, how many, how many of you don't want to be like Jesus? Of course we want to be like God. What a great temptation. You can be more like God if you'll just do this. And he, she said, no, no, no. He said, don't eat from the tree. Don't touch it. And he said, you know what? He, she said, in that day, he said we are going to die. And he goes, no, you will surely not die. You'll be like him. And when she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, And she ate, and it tasted good. Boy, sin's good for a while, isn't it? Come on. Come on, church. I should have got a big amen out of that one. You know, if sin wasn't fun, people wouldn't do it. The Bible says there are pleasures in sin, but they are fleeting. It's only for a season, because here's what the devil does. When he gives you that big friend hug, he's he's got a dagger in his other hand, and he stabs you in the back. I'm giving you education today. Everybody say, we're getting educated. Now, here are some of Satan's schemes toward believers. I told you, once you come to know God, doesn't mean that you don't have any more battles. Here's what the devil does. Even in the midst of a revival, he caused Ananias and Sapphira to lie to the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. The devil comes to believers to fill our hearts to lie. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? I want to ask you this. How many of you have caught on to a similarity here, every scripture we've looked at? The devil's there, isn't he? Every one of them. That should show us who our enemy is. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? He said, I didn't lie. I gave it. And he's like, Today, you're, that's it. I mean, in the midst of revival, they started lying. They were dying. Then his wife did the same thing, not knowing that her husband had fell down dead and the guys had taken him outside and started to bury him. She did the same thing, and it goes on. So he wants to fill our hearts to lie. You say, Pastor, well, how is that working today? Not telling the truth. You say, well, what does that mean? Not saying what sin is. When somebody says, this is my given chosen lifestyle, and we go, okay, that's okay. That's a lie. If you do not tell somebody that that sin is going to kill them, that sin is going to take them to hell, you're, we're not being truthful. Amen? The second thing is he wants to hinder the servant of God from doing his work. Look at First Thessalonians chapter 2.18. Is everybody okay? For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once. But what happened? Satan hindered us. Third thing is, he wants to destroy the unity of the church by creating discord. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Then what? Do not give, here it is again, the devil an opportunity. What is that saying? That means, as a believer in Jesus, if I walk in anger, and I let that sun go down on my anger, and I live in anger, and I'm mad at the world, I'm mad at the system, I'm mad at the Democrats, I'm mad at the Republicans, I'm mad at the Libertarian Party, I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad at the way these people are living their life. I'm mad at the way they're serving me. I'm mad at this and angry at that. You know, God had, God had a prophet that he had sent to the, to the uh, Ninevites named Jonah. And that man was AWOL. He was an AWOL prophet of God. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? He was angry without love. And I'm telling you this. If God's people live angry without love, that last verse, we give the devil an opportunity. And he comes in, and guess what? He destroys the unity of the church, and he creates discord, and where there is strife and division, the devil's in the details. There's every evil thing. The fourth thing he does is he leads the world to persecute the church. And church, we're seeing this all over the world right now. Look at this in Revelation 2 and verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you We'll have tribulation for ten days, but be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. But it says right there in Revelation 2, the devil is about to do some things. He's going to persecute the church. Now, under this education, I want to give you an application. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. How many are following me? This is is the application of what we've just learned. So, Pastor, what do I do? Be sober in your spirit. Be on the alert. Why do I want to do that? Because your adversary, everybody say it, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Many years ago, I had a dream. And in this dream, I had woken up early And I received the paper at my doorstep, and I opened up the door to get my paper. And when I did, there was a lion walking in the neighborhood. And I stood at my doorstep, and I looked at this lion, and this lion was huge. And he looked over at me, and I stared him down, and he walked on. But I noticed that as he went, there were other people out. And after I had that stare-down session with him and he moved along, there were some people over in this area, and I saw him go into a full dead-on run. And he went to where those people were, and he tore them to shreds. And after he was done, he went back to prowling. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you're covered with the blood of the Lord, I want you to understand something. The devil can prowl about like a roaring lion, but all he has is no teeth. He can only gum you, and you can't get gummed to death. he is to be respected for his strength and all you got to do is see jude 9 and the bible even says there in fact let's just slip over there real quick wouldn't plan on sharing that with you but there was a uh, you need to see this the book of jude is right before the book of revelation let me introduce you to another angel you've heard of him there it is. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. But Michael, everybody say the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and he argued about the body of Moses, Michael did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, Jesus said the power that he had, he gave to you and I as he died on the cross. Church, he didn't just die on the cross for your sins. He did do that. That's just the beginning. He also died for your salva- your, the, the, uh, the saving of your mind. So you'd think right. He, he died for the body so that you would live right, that you could be whole and experience health. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our peace was upon him. He wants you to have peace. And by his stripes we are healed. And church, listen to me. If we are a worrying Christian, we don't have all of Jesus we need. We're not accepting all that he did on the cross. Amen? If we're doing without in the kingdom of God, it's only really truly our fault. Because he, he gave everything that he could possibly give, and now he said, all you got to do is receive it and walk in it in the name of Jesus. So if the devil comes to prowl against you, he's seeking someone who may devour. Now, I'm not really a watcher of Twilight Zone anymore, but years ago, I used to watch Twilight Zone. And actually, there is a, the, one of the most memorable Twilight Zone episodes, and I do, I would encourage you, go home today, make it this this afternoon, Google this on YouTube, and watch it again. Now, it's the 60s, so, you know, it's it's not going to be like 2020 cinema or anything like that, but it was called The Howling Man. And in this episode, there is this American who is on a walking trip through Central Europe, And he happens upon a residence for a brotherhood of monks while it is a raging, raining storm outside. And he knocks upon this door, and much to his surprise, they only reluctantly take him in. And later that night, the American is discovering a cell within this castle with a man locked inside. And over this door that is keeping this man in there is this ancient wooden staff that is bolting the door. But it's just a staff, and the prisoner claims that he is being held captive by the insane head monk named Brother Jerome. And he pleads for this American to release him And he has a very kindly face, and he has a very gentle voice, and the prisoner wins him over. And this American confronts Brother Jerome, and he declares that this prisoner is wanting out, and Brother Jerome says, no. He said, why will you not release him? He said, because that prisoner is Satan himself. He is the father of lies. And he is being held in that prison cell captive with the staff of truth. That is the one barrier he cannot pass. Well, this incredible claim convinces the man that Brother Jerome is indeed insane. He's crazy. And so as soon as he gets the chance, this American goes and takes that rod Off the door, and he releases the prisoner, and instantaneously, the prisoner transforms into a hideous horned demon and vanishes in a puff of smoke. Well, this stunned American is horrified at the realization of what he has done, and Brother Jerome comes to him and he says sympathetically, He said, I'm sorry for you, my son. All your life, you will remember this night and whom you have turned loose on the world. The American responded, I didn't believe you. I saw him and I didn't recognize him. To which Brother Jerome replies, that is man's weakness, and that is Satan's strength. Now that, to me, is not a normal Twilight Zone. That could be a current-day movie for Christians to reach the lost. How may you feel educated. So that's the education. Now we're into preparation. Look at verses 14 through 17. Are you getting anything out of this? Look at Ephesians 6, verse 14. "'Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace.' In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I've walked you through this before. Let me just very quickly do this. The belt of truth. Where do you put your belt? Around your waist. What's around your waist? Reproductive organs, elimination system. What does that mean? If you gird yourself with truth, that means you reproduce what is truth, and you eliminate what isn't. And the only way you can do it is if you have the Word of God because the Bible says this is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father except by me. The breastplate of righteousness is, covers your vital organs, your lungs, your heart. It's what keeps you alive. The only thing that's going to keep us alive in this world, sin, is what kills Coming to know Jesus is what brings life. He now no longer calls you if you're walking with Him, and He's your Lord and Savior. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. And when God looks at you, He sees Jesus. That's what the Father does when He looks at you, and He sees you through the blood of the Son of Jesus. He goes, you know what, Jesus? (laughs) They look just like you. And Jesus is like, thank you, Father. That's why I was sent. You see, so many times we just think, oh, we're just a sinner saved by grace. No, you you was a sinner, but you got saved by grace, and now you are a child of God, which makes you the righteousness of God in Christ. Not in yourself, but in Christ. Can somebody say amen? The feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That means wherever you go, God's given you that land. Speak up and give good news. Take up the shield of faith. Above all, take that. And church, listen to me. Faith is impregnable. That shield is impregnable. If you're walking in faith, the the devil can't penetrate that. The devil can't penetrate faith. That faith shield extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not just arrows, but ones that he sets on fire. That are set on fire by hell. Are you with me? He is the same one who stands before the throne of God constantly accusing us and never persuading God of our guilt. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 says that he, he is standing before the Father. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. There's the devil again. Accusing you just like he did to Job. And Job, Job didn't get it. Job didn't understand that it wasn't God. Job didn't understand about the devil like what we do today. But he figured it out once God talked to him and took care of that. Take the helmet, which is salvation. And church, where do you put a helmet? Over your head. And you've got to think you're saved. You've got to know you're saved. You've got to believe you're saved. And you've got to act like you're saved. You've got to think like a saved person thinks. And I want to tell you this. This is an impossibility to do. If you're five minutes of the day with God and and the rest of the 24 hours with the devil, guess who you're going to be thinking like? I'm telling you, it matters what we think, it matters what we read, it matters what we listen to, it matters what we watch, it matters where we go, because all those things will feed you. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In church, I want to tell you this. Uh, Look at Matthew chapter 4. This is the best uh, verse to go. Verses 1 through 10. Are you still with me? I'm about ready to... to Put the caboose on it. We're going to be done in just a second. But Matthew chapter 4 gives us life. This is what happens in life. And I want you to know who it is who's leading. Then Jesus was led up by Who? The Spirit of God. I told you, you didn't board the love boat. You boarded the battleship. You say, well, if I'm following God, the the way shouldn't be hard. No, no, no. Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. For what reason? To be tempted by the devil. The Bible says this. He's been tempted in all ways just like you and me. But he was without sin. He was tempted with pride, but he didn't bend to it. He was tempted with lust, and he didn't bend to it. He was tempted with greed, and he didn't bend to it. He was tempted to worship the devil, and he didn't bend to it. Now, here's what happened. Verse 2 says, And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Boy, right there is key. He then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you're a Christian, command that these stones become bread. Notice this. But he answered and he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he goes on. The devil then takes him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You know what? That is perfect. Biblical quotation. The devil knows the Bible. He just doesn't live it. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus then said to him, I don't like this, the way this translation says it, he says, go Satan, literally says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Word of God. Let's go through them. Number one, your belt of truth. You got to put it on every day. Number two, your breastplate of righteousness every day. Put on your shoes called the gospel of peace. Take up your shield of faith, put on your helmet of salvation. And grab your sword before you leave the house. And you know what? If you walk out that way and that devil's outside in the form of a lion seeking whom he may devour, he's going to look at you and go the other way. Every time. Sunrise was dawning when Los Angeles motorcycle police officer Bob Vernon saw a red pickup. Speed through a stop sign. And the cop says to himself, this guy must be late to work. So he turns on his emergency lights and he radioed that he was in pursuit. The pickup pulled over and the officer approached the truck. Meanwhile, in the truck, the driver thought, man, the cops already know. And he rested his hand on the same gun that he had used just a few moments before to rob a 24-hour market. The sack of stolen money was beside him on the seat, and when the officer came forward and said, good morning, sir, may I see your, he never even got to finish his sentence. The driver shoved his gun toward the policeman's chest and fired from just inches away. Well, the cop was knocked flat seven feet away. A few seconds later, to the shock of the criminal, the officer stood up. And he pulled his service revolver, and he fired twice. The first bullet went through the open window and smashed the windshield. The second tore through the door and ripped into the driver's left leg, to which the driver said, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. And he threw his gun and his sack of money out the pickup window. Now, what saved the policeman's life was dozens of layers of Kevlar that super strong fabric used for bulletproof vests, only three-eighths of an inch thick, that Kevlar stopped that bullet cold. I close with this. The Bible instructs every Christian, put on your full armor of God. Every day. That's what you'll do when the enemy shoots at you. Simple qualities like righteousness, faith, salvation, peace. Those are the things that will deflect what the enemy of your soul will fire at you. That's education, and that is preparation. Amen. Now we can go into our week with more love and more power and more knowledge and more preparation than when we came in today. Amen. Let's bow with and close in prayer with me, please. Father, today I thank you that you show us that we're walking in spiritual warfare, but we're not to fear. We're to live in power and the power of the anointing of God. And, Lord, I pray that as your church goes forward from this place, and also, Lord, wherever people are watching today, and they go into the world, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they see fresh and anew people are not their their enemy. Lord, I pray that we would war against the true enemy who shows up in every one of these verses we've read. And, Father, I just pray that you would remind us of who we are, remind us of who you've called us to be, and empower us to do what we've now learned to do. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. And if if that's your prayer today, would you just say a huge amen? Amen. I love you guys. Please go your way today in the power and the anointing of God. We'll see you again next Sunday, and we'll wrap this up. All right? God bless.